0: Hello, welcome to NGA's Governing Chatters, being published on April Fool's Day. I'm Emma Knights, I'm the Chief Executive of NGA, and I'm joined today by three of our members of our SLT. So, Sam Henson, Director of Policy and Info. Hello. Steve Edmonds, Director of Advice and Guidance. Hello. And Emma Bolchin, Director of Professional Development.
1: Hello.
0: What a term it's been, uh, particularly for our schools Um, in uh, lockdown for a big proportion of this term, and then on the 8th of March, bringing all our pupils back uh, in one fell swoop. Uh, And I know that you've had huge admiration for the way in which your school leaders and school staff um, have managed that transition. But I'd just like to say thank you to you as well for, for what you've all um, been doing and the way that you have been supporting your school leaders who I know are absolutely in need of our April break So it also seems really quite a long term. Uh, And in January's Governing Chatters, uh, we gave over the podcast to ethical leadership. Uh, We've been running, as many of you will know, a Pathfinders um, project that came to an end two years on after over 300 schools and trusts have been using the framework for ethical leadership. Uh, we've now closed down the Pathfinders uh, report. Please do listen to that podcast if you've missed it. But we've got one more piece of work uh, around the uh, framework for ethical leadership. Um, Emma, do you, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, your learning link? Module? Yeah, so
2: we have taken the resources that we developed at the outset of the Pathfinder project to try and support schools on their um, ethical journey And um, some of the schools that were Pathfinders um, did some really great work. They used the audit that was in the toolkit. And we have actually converted that toolkit to a kind of online tool so people can go through. They can um, tick off the things that they feel they already do really well, highlight things that they would like to do better. And there are all sorts of examples of the kind of things that the Pathfinders did along their ethical journey to ensure their practice was um, really kind of taking into account the framework, the language of the framework and the values that underpin it. Um, And the tool actually enables you to print out a kind of editable action plan. And it will almost be evidence of all of the great stuff that you have been doing with that kind of driver for you to to sort of think about, Okay, what is it that we want to do better with some suggestions for what that might look like? And that will be out later this month.
0: Yep. So if you haven't been involved in that work, please, please do have a look. But on to this month's uh, conversation. We published just last week a report called Matt's Moving Forward. The power of governance, uh, which was a sort of two-year-on look back at the report that uh, was then called "Moving Mats Forward." Do you see what we did? Very, very smart. That uh, we now think that mats are moving uh, forward. We went back and we looked at the issues that we'd identified in 2019, and which ones uh, of those had there had been progress on. One or two have had, had stalled, but overall, um, actually, there had been progress despite our year of COVID, and in some cases because of the year um, of COVID. But we thought um, today we'd have a conversation, particularly looking at the the local tier of of governance, and and are we using that um, uh, well? Uh, Sam, what for you were the 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 real lessons of the two years on report?
3: Thanks, Emma. I, I think for me, um, really uh, using this time to to reflect uh, on the last two years uh, on how trusts are uh, have been using their their local tier and thinking about um, uh, how they want to use the local tier of their governance structure in the in the long haul has been really important. Let me just kind of rewind for a minute and just just. Um, just state what we mean by local tier. We've, we've adopted that term. We adopted that term in, in, the, in both reports, actually, um, as a, 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 a tidy way, we think, to, to capture the multiple names that trusts use to describe um, uh, their, their local volunteer force within, within each, each academy within their trust. So often they're called local governing bodies or academy committees, um, uh, 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 various other names um, that trusts have, have adopted um, but I think uh, looking looking back on the last two years um, uh, has been uh, really interesting because uh, when we wrote the original report um, back in 2019 there was still a, a degree of um, conversation around whether the that local tier would actually be part of the future of, of the MAT system um, you, you might remember that there were there were a few um a few uh, voices out there that, that were saying that, that uh, we, we may well move away from from that and um, being a, a part of the map map government structure in the future but what we've seen um over uh, the, the last year in particular is is a renewed commitment to that local tier in in a way which um you know has been 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 quite powerful i think people have have seen how um how instrumental their local volunteer force has been in helping schools uh, to react um, and, uh, and respond to the, the pandemic, and, and I think trustee boards and, and in maps up and down the country are really keen to explore how they can utilise that local tier to gather that local intelligence that will safeguard the the work of the, uh, of, of the the trust or safeguard the 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 governance decision making uh, for, for those maps for, for, for both now and for the future. So it's, I, I think for me, I mean, that's been the really uh, noticeable thing. You might remember we, we had um, a, a governance network uh, uh, back in 2020, we were right in the, the middle of, 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 of the, the, the pandemic. And we were kind of really blown away just by uh, that huge um, commitment um, and um, that uh, Kind of passion really that, that that trustees had for their local tier they they really want to um use it and use it well so i, th- I think for me that's that's the, the biggest thing that there's a real commitment there to um, ensuring there's there's um a level a real level of influence at local level um and and that's been really good to see
0: Absolutely. And what what the report does is pull together, doesn't it, all our evidence from all our different sources. So obviously, it includes our quantitative data as well. And our very large annual survey did show that the vast majority of smaller mats do keep um, academy committees. Local governing bodies, whatever they may be called, academy councils, and it's only some of the, the, the larger mats that tend perhaps uh, not to uh, to use them. And I just wanted uh, at this point to to acknowledge the fact that this report had had three authors, uh, didn't it? And al- along with you and me, Sam uh, was Claire Collins, uh, the head of, of consultancy, and we do do a huge number of external reviews of governance governance for trust and of course those are all confidential to the client but it does give us a real way in to understand some of the ways in which um, trustee uh, boards are are thinking about this and also of course we have our networks and the MAC governance network is hugely active and it was a fantastic launch um, event um, that uh, that we we had and we will be building on that next term but obviously, Emma and Steve, both of you, um, govern within trusts as well. With um, we're still calling them Mats, Multi Academy Trust Mats, Mats for short. And I just, um, you know, wondered in terms of your own um, experience whether the sort of things that we're discussing in this report sort of chimes with the practice that that you're seeing as
1: well. Well, if I may come in there, um, Emma, um, I think the what what really what really struck me about reading a report, which I really enjoyed, by the way, and would certainly recommend uh, recommend uh, people read, reading it because it is very very thought provoking. But it actually it made me think um, about the school system, uh, the, the, the whole school system, not just about trusts and and academy governance, because you know this. This um, the importance of schools being in, invested uh, in, in community engagement and and having that con- contextual in, uh, intelligence and and all that and all that brings in terms of uh, outcomes and, and raising aspirations you know within a, within a community. I think these themes uh, apply across the board. So whatever context you're governing in, uh, you can take something from what's what's in this report and it made me think about the image problem that um that the academy sector has has had for such a uh, a long time you know that this sense that academization of schools which are sort of community led or owned or uh, uh, is undermined in some way by by academization and I think what what the report does is, is highlight that actually that's it doesn't have to be um that way um but it is an investment. It really is an investment in, in, in stakeholder engagement. Uh, what you do to to win hearts and minds in your community and make them feel involved, and and the local tier of governance is so uh, fundamental to that. It's it's much more than than about structures and guiding documents. Although sometimes those conversations, uh, you know, become become. Uh, Polarized and, and distilled into into those topics. So, you know, I, I'd like to think of this really more about as a wider conversation about how we how we win hearts and minds in our communities and actually um, bring them bring them on our journey.
2: I think um, one of the things we've seen um, across the piece really as well is a real focus about who is on the board. So all of our um, local governance arrangements tend to have really good representation from parents. They've got great representation from staff. Um, And and often they're looking for employers as well in the local community, or if not employers, or as well as employers, people who um, have got influence within that community. And I think that's been really important, especially um, during the, the pandemic. Sam, the report really highlights, doesn't it, how much people have really relied on that Local influence, trying to give uh, communities confidence, um, and all of those kinds of things, in order that actually um, children, parents, and everybody can feel really confident to send their children to school and and know that our schools are doing a really great job at keeping them safe.
3: Absolutely, I think that's a really good point, Emma. I think uh, you know uh, that really ties in as well with what Steve was saying. I think you know for, for for me. That, that's why it was a real, um, it was a really good opportunity for us to do this piece of work now, because I think we we really needed to reflect on um, that moment of key learning that, you know, has, has presented itself. And I think, um, you know, whether, with, with, like you said, Steve, whether you are uh, a, in a mat or whether you're in a, a small maintained um, primary school, I think, lot schools across the country at the moment are are looking uh, again at at their kind of their clarity of purpose they're 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 looking at at what they what they really stand for what they what 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 they want to uh, achieve Uh, and i think for matt in particular the the local tier is so integral to that um and uh, i think um what, what we haven't seen is any anyone out there saying that the, the 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 events of the last year or so has has, has told them that um you know that the, the the local tier doesn't have a role um actually the pandemic has created that really valuable thinking space i think mm-hmm. um uh, which um like like i say regardless of of your school type and structure it has led everyone to 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 think a, a you know, What what does this mean for the future? But I think for Matts in particular, um, he's actually given a lot of trusts um, permission. I think for for them to think differently about how they do governance and how they want to implement things to to secure the the future of of their their trust. I, I think Steve that that chimes quite well with what what you were saying, really, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really interested in this, Sam. So, do you think it's do you do you think now is the time? And I know that we've we've posed the, the question in, quite rightly in the report and and it and its predecessor um, a, around clarif- trusts the importance of trusts clarifying who does what and, and and where responsibility sits at different levels in a trust. And it's, That's really important first principle, isn't it? But what I, what I'm really interested in, and I hope we can move the conversation along in the sector, is actually not just not just a not just about making it uh, not just about making it solve it's about solving that problem, rather making it about um, in, ensuring that those governing at local level in particular understand their value and are are, are made to feel valued and and are empowered to contribute and I, I'm not sure i'm i 'm seeing enough of that and i don't and that's not a point i'm making about size really or locality even I think that that issue can affect uh you know smaller trusts concentrated in a smaller area and I know you've perhaps you, you've seen more of this practice And so I, I wonder if you think now is the time really to move that conversation on a notch
3: such a good point Steve uh, absolutely um wholeheartedly agree I think um I think actually you know we, we've we've really tried to pick up a lot of the positives in this report, but that's not to say that all the work is, is done. I think there's still, um, uh, in lots of cases, I think, uh, cases of um, the local volunteers um, knowing that the trust values them, knowing the trust wants to use their voice, but they're still not quite sure how it works. Um, and I think there there is a risk, isn't there, that I think with the with the multiple tiers of of within the governance um, structure of a map, that that things can get duplicated, things can get lost in in, in those those communication channels. Um, w- one of the things that that we really picked up in in the in the report, Steve, was that I think um, the communication channels generally have have improved. Um, so I think if we can now match that with securing um, a greater level of understanding about what roles and responsibilities are you know we're in a really good position i think for 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 format governance to to move forwards in in a in a positive way um it, i think actually the um the the way that we've responded um to the pandemic in terms of virtual governance has opened a lots of new communication channels um uh, or has um given given trust a, a a greater um uh they've been thinking about it more you, you know there's there's less I think I think Emma with with we, the way we put it in the report is there's less there's less excuses now to get communication wrong in trust isn't there
2: yeah and and to not engage with it we've seen really a massive increase in attendance haven't we but also um, the number of chairs of trusts that are able to engage virtually with all of their chairs of all of their local boards as well has kind of gone through the roof because it's exactly what you say. There isn't any barriers, There's there's no unless it's IT, of course, which uh, <laughs> we do know that sometimes they can be a barrier. But generally speaking, in terms of time, travel, and some of those things that we've seen cause people problems in volunteering before, they've all been removed with virtual governance and everybody... Um, having to utilise virtual platforms and things, and, and we've seen great, great sort of successes as a result of that, haven't we?
1: Yeah. Do you know? I think one of the, I think what's interesting about this is that we we I think the, the opportunities, as you say, are you know are are, are really up there for us and as a sector, um, and you know to embrace them is is what we should do, but. I think sometimes we can get communication right. We can get we can even get structures right, but we might we that that is undermined if we don't get relationships right. And I think that's that's a really important um, point. I think for for trusts, and I say particularly larger trusts. And, and maybe that is maybe that isn't the right thing to say. But you know, obviously their challenges are are, are different and perhaps more complex. But there is a difference, isn't there, between um, explanation uh, and, and and communication and, and engagement? Um, that, and I think that that's that's something I think we, we really need to, to keep pushing. And I, I know that we we've been talking about this in in terms of guidance and development content that we can perhaps produce, which which starts those conversations about engagement uh, and how you know how, how you can. Do genuine and um, sincere relationship building at all levels in the trust, um, and not just put the building blocks in place. Because you know that's there's more to it than that, isn't it? It's a people business, as, as you know Emma always says.
2: And everybody being involved uh, in some of the key decision making and and feeling it's a, a meaningful conversation, isn't it, Steve? So I was thinking about one of the really effective ways that that happens is if governors at local level are engaged in the stakeholder engagement and then that's communicated back up to trust into things like the vision and values so that actually everybody's views are really hardwired into the way that those things are, are carried out.
0: Sometimes um, NGAs criticised for being a bit purist about some things. I mean, we look, don't we, at governance in all sorts of other uh, sectors, and we apply those principles um, uh, to school and trust governance. But we're absolutely sort of knee deep, you know, down amongst the weeds as well of of practical governance because of all that um, contact we have with our members. But of course, also the the, the governance that staff do themselves. But one of the, the pushbacks we've had um, in this last week since publication, and I was I was talking to um, uh, about fifty chairs of of mats the other day and some of them have absolutely not bought in to the separation idea you know that idea that we should have different people governing at the members level the trustee board level and and local governance um level so 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 what what do you say to convince those people that they want to do that in order to to communicate generally
3: this this is a really interesting conversation and, and one that actually i think has been uh, there and present for 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 quite a number of years now hasn't it um i think um i i remember when we started our our Matt government our community maps network as it was known then um uh over, over five years ago and, and this was this was something we talked a lot about then i think actually separation between members and trustees is much more accepted. Now it's there in the Academy's financial handbook. It's there in the governance handbook. There's, there's a general view that that is the thing to do. Separation between the trustee board and, and the local tier, um, uh, is something that is perhaps more debated. Um, uh, and uh, I think Emma, we, that's, that's probably where we've got some of the pushback here as well. Um, and, um, I think it's worth saying from, from, from our perspective at NGA, um, you know, we we don't make any of this stuff up. It is rooted in, 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 in in what we've, what we've seen. Um, And we've, we've, we've observed many mats over the years and and we've seen this go wrong. So I think there's, you know, I think it's worth stressing that this isn't an idealistic view. I think it's something that's very much based in, in the practice we've seen. I think that the the issues we have seen arise out of it is it can create issues with significant bias developing uh, when one trustee um, is focused very much on one school because they happen to sit on the uh, academy committee of, of that one school, and so that 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 one academy committee can then get um, its voice heard a lot more than than the other schools within the trust, and that 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 can cause issues. I think we've seen issues with with conflicts um, developing. Um, I would say as well I've root this in my own experience I used to I used to work in, in a large multi-academy trust and um, we we did when I was there we did have a this kind of model uh, that, that was, was 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 used in in the earlier days where we had um, whether it was trustees or or executives um, that uh, also sat on the, the local tier and and um, one of the, one of the things that I definitely observed was there was a feeling from some of the schools in the trust who didn't have uh, people from either the trust board or the executive on 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 their on their local academy committee, but knew that it was the case in others. Um, some sometimes felt you know that they weren't getting their voice heard, and there was a, a, a slightly uh, unfair way of doing it. Um, now one of the responses back to that might be oh that's fine we'll just we'll just make sure every every school in the trust um has that arrangement but then i I think then you you can end up with with such a blurred model you don't really know um you know if if you've got trustees who are there at academy committee are they they there as a trustee or are they there as a member of that uh, that that uh, academy committee I i think it can cause some real um challenges um and uh, like I said earlier I think we've just we've seen we've seen it go wrong, and we've seen it um uh, not be sustainable um uh, I think they're the, they're the main things I would add to that that conversation emma
0: and, and I think sometimes people do get confused um about being a member as you say of the actual academy committee or um simply observing. And coming to to learn about the school that, you know, one of our um, eight elements of effective governance, knowing what you govern, there's a real issue, isn't there, for trustees, particularly, again, trustees in in larger trusts or more dispersed trusts, understanding the schools within their, their trusts. So you can indeed have link trustees for, for schools so that they get to know the school. But one of the things um, I've suggested at a couple of recent events is actually those can change. You can get to know one school one year, be a link trustee for school A, and then next year be school B, and you learn more, more about the trust rather than, as you say, be- beginning to sort of feel like a passionate advocate for uh for school a because that's the only one you you really know and 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 i think it's so true isn't it that our members really do become committed and passionate about their schools of course they do that's what keeps them governing that's what they they care about the pupils in in their locality so it's making that transition isn't it between governing a single school to to governing a, a a whole trust and having that real bird's eye view of of all the the schools, so I, I I hope I hope we really sort of make some progress with that. Um, but you also mentioned Sam about executives, and I think that's one of the again pushback that we've had. Um, uh, we're really keen at NGA on that separation between the non-exec role and the executive role, being clear about that in the. The scheme of delegation. Um, I don't know if either of you have had any any more thoughts on on that one.
1: Well, I, I think from my perspective, um, I think that I think the, chale- the challenge, if if that's the right way of putting it, Emma, of our, uh, you know, what what you called our purist view of things, is uh, you know, is healthy. You know, we like a healthy challenge, and it is, is absolutely a debating point. And I guess my own perspective is, is or my own disposition is always to think about um, the culture uh, that exists really and and the approach before I look at you know the processes systems and and guiding principles so if the if the culture if the culture of engagement and collaboration is, is there uh, and is genuine and sincere and 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 is one that you know, it ensures that that, pe- that that those in the community governing at local level have the opportunity uh, to shape and influence the trust. Uh, then I, you know, then I'm less concerned about, you know, the other the other things. Um, but what does concern me is that I think too often um, trusts can take what I, what I would call the easy option of uh of, of of having some um overlapping uh membership or or over reliance on the executive uh to fulfill that 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 relationship you know engagement and, and and collaborative um role that it aspires aspires to have and you know i think for me um It does need to be considered very carefully because, um, as you say, it it actually can have the reversal uh, undermining effect because it shapes the contribution of others or limits the contributions of others. And then, um, you know, it does influence the culture. There's no two ways about it.
0: And if you think about what, you know, what governance is, so, you know, that definition that we use all all the time, that governance defines who has the power, uh, who makes the decisions, how other voices are heard and how account is rendered. This is all about power and influence, isn't it? And I think our executives often do have an awful lot of what one might call soft soft power. And I suppose I feel really strongly about this, having been in the chief executive of two different organisations for quite a long time now, but, but not a trustee of the organisations that 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 I was paid to, to lead. And I feel really strongly, I feel I can sort of, because I'm practising what I preach, it makes it easier for, for, for me to say that it, it simply isn't a good look to be part of the board that is holding holding you to, to account. But it's also that the fact that you know, we are um, being paid as executives to lead the organisation on a day-to-day basis, um, we have got a huge amount of power and influence in, in our organisations. And that's absolutely true of multi-academy trusts as well. So for, for, for us, or indeed other executives, to be members of those local governance committees, brings with it a whole, a whole lot of um, power and influence that isn't necessarily healthy when that non-exec governance is is holding the execs to to account if if that makes sense
1: it, it does and it raises of course an interesting debating point and I feel maybe another podcast topic coming on here about um the role of executives in in governance and you know obviously it's it's always been the case in the maintained school sector that the head teacher has a place uh on the governing board uh, it's built into the it's built into the constitution, and as you've, you've just said, you know that's not the norm outside of the outside of the school sector, and and actually um, it, it does then um, lend itself obviously to conversations about you know power and control and influence and how that's how that's exerted. And I know you won't say it, Emma, but I think you're actually one of the few people in the school system who's actually spoken some uncomfortable truths about this uh, in public, about, you know, the relationship between, uh, you know, how, how executive leaders view governing boards and the influence that they, how they, you know, uh, sometimes exert their influence. And I'm, I'll steer clear of making sort of crass generalisations uh, because, you know, there's some wonderful examples of, of great collaboration between executive leaders and governance in all types of school. Of course there are, um, but, you know, there are some very uncomfortable conversations still for us to have, I think, in a sector about, about how executive leadership engages with governance. And I'm not sure that this uh, approach, to, you know, where we started this conversation thread about, um, you know, executives serving on academy committees, I'm not sure it, 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 it's entirely helpful. I think that's, that's my gut instinct and feeling based on what I've seen and observed.
0: Yes, you're absolutely right. We we started the conversation in one place, and it, it, we've we broadened it out now. I think you I think that's a really good idea. We should do a whole podcast about um, execs and non-execs, um, uh, head teachers and governors working work, working together. Definitely, I, because I feel as though this is one that we could we could talk about for a for a long time. But just sort of moving back to to our um, Matt's report, I mean, we posed five debates there, um, uh, and we've just really touched on on one, the using the local tier um, uh, well, but uh, the, we added a fifth one this time, and that was about making sure we invested in Governance uh, professionals, because uh, we didn't feel perhaps we'd quite given it enough notice last time, or or maybe Sam, it's just because of the changes over the last couple of years, and with 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 more mats, um, we've really talked more about doing this um, uh, properly.
3: Ab- absolutely, and I think you know, in the last couple of years, we've we've seen this role growing and developing. We've seen it um, come to greater prominence i think we also know there's 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 a huge amount of variation in that role as well um uh, 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 and, and so i think it's it's something we absolutely need to be drawing more uh attention to i think um one of the things that really came across as 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 we um were thinking about this is that the the expectations placed on on those um individuals that they, they really helped to pull together in carrying out their their core functions don't they and that i think um you know we we really wanted to sing their praises and, and make sure they receive the the recognition that that they deserve um, and, and also i think just just really encourage more trust to invest in in this it's not i i appreciate that you know uh, a, a lot of people might turn around and say well yeah but there really is no money to invest at, at the moment but i think this is this is a, a really worthwhile investment for any trust um you know it can really help you get your governance right get it solid get it in a good position um and i think you know anything we can do to get that role taken more seriously um, to draw more attention to it that's what we that's what we want to do
0: absolutely it pays dividends isn't it and um steve and i uh, this morning had uh, the real privilege of being part of um the first half of our annual uh, clarking uh, conference which which was just um uh, fabulous because we had 400 uh, uh, governance professionals clerks um on the uh, virtual event uh, with us um sharing so so um, much so this is really timely isn't it um Steve with with March having been our sort of visible governance months of for for clerking and governance professionals
1: yeah absolutely and they, and what a wonderful event or what a, what a wonderful part one of a conference that we we've had this morning as you say and it, it's been great um doing this work um and looking more closely at the at the role of governance professionals in trusts, because it's brought us into contact with some fantastic practitioners who are doing leading edge work out there, and really are the best advert for the profession uh, that you can find. And and we're learning from them um, and and from their peers all the time about the different levels of skills and proficiency. Uh, that are required in different types of governing professional roles that fit different types of governing structure it, you know it, if we didn't know that it wasn't one size fits all before we certainly do now from all this work that we've been work that we've been, that we've been doing but there are some common themes that that keep that keep emerging and you know it's really important for us to keep them in in, in mind and and not become sort of blasé about them because they're important. One of those is—is—is is, is there is is theres still a you know I'd go as far as saying shocking lack of understanding really out there at at uh, in in some um, in some trusts at a senior level uh, at board level and an executive level of what the what governance professionals uh, do, uh, the role they fulfil, uh, and how. Trusts work effectively and create the conditions for them to do their job and as Sam says uh, ensure that their contribution to uh, governance is uh, you know is, is what we expect uh, and what they expect it to be and and so you know that, that that's still coming out loud and clear and I think we're, we're fortunate that we we have the opportunity we're in a very privileged position to work with the department and, and with groups of governance professionals on uh on on initiatives and activities and resources that hopefully will will uh, you know build and continue to build that understanding uh throughout the sector and then that will have further uh you know positive con- uh, you know consequences in terms of pay and status and and clarity of role and all those things that come with a with a very important professional position so you know i think there's there's much work to be done in this space, but there's so much so much grounds for optimism as well. I you know I'm 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 so inspired really by what we what we you know what we're seeing and experiencing on the ground, particularly during the pandemic when governance professionals have, have you know have been been immense, I think, and and have really helped boards stay connected with their communities, which is where we started this conversation, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. It's very much a watch this space, I think, on where we go next with the governance professionals. And I don't just mean we as NGA, I mean the whole sector. And as you say, the Department for Education concentrating um, on um, on this area so our survey will just have closed our clocks and governance professional survey when when this is um uh, a broadcast but i think that's going to give us some some fabulous um evidence to use in this next stage of let's really look at what the career pathways might be for those um, who are supporting our our governing governing boards and actually at um nga um uh, both Yours and um uh Emma's team are very much concentrating on the resources uh, that we're producing for for governance professionals and we've got two learning link modules coming out uh, during april that are aimed at our uh, governance professionals um and and clerks one about minuting meetings and the other um about um exclusion um uh, review uh panels and there'll be much much more of that to um, uh, to come, and similarly, I know um, Sam's always running a a Clarking Matters column in every single magazine. Um, so we'd be really, really pleased to hear from people who who want to write um, as governance professionals, or indeed as as governors and and chairs. Uh, I'm conscious that we've spent a, a, a lot of this. Um, sort of best part of forty minutes talking about those who govern within um, mats, and that's sort of not quite half our schools um, uh, currently. Um, so just to really reassure you that um, NJ is absolutely focused on uh, all different types of of schools. So we also have started our governance leadership um, forums where we're inviting uh, executives, head teachers to come along with their chairs and and vice chairs. And we held the first for single academy trusts a few weeks ago. And that was, um, uh, again, full of our very articulate um, SATs uh, trustees uh, talking to us about how they saw the future, and again, actually, how really rooted they were in their communities, and how important that local collaboration was um, for them. And it's quite looking forward into next term. We've just had the Secretary of State say publicly that he does want, which is hardly surprising, it's been the government policy for some time, but he does want standalone schools, whether SATs or maintained schools, to think about becoming MATs. Um, joining Matt, So we really want to help um, that debate uh, continue, provide evidence, um, share that uh, experience. But we will be having a leadership forum for our Maintain members um, on the 6th of May, followed on the 11th of May for our Matt. Uh, trustees. And I think at that um, event, we will be talking quite a lot about the role of trust members. We didn't touch on that today, but we still know it's causing an awful lot of confusion out there. And Sam's um, team is uh, updating our guidance uh, on members of trusts, which nobody else does, does actually produce. So it's really quite um, important for those of you that are members of trusts. And then uh, the following week, on the 18th of May, we've got our first uh, leadership forum for those of you that are governing at local level within a mat. So no doubt we'll be able to continue those conversations that we've just begun to touch on uh, today. So. Please do enjoy your Easter and I really hope that your school leaders get a proper break um, this Easter. There are still so many um, issues that are uh, mulling around at the moment, some of them incredibly important, almost all of them incredibly important. But I think it's really crucial um, that after the year they've had our school leaders and their staff uh, get a good break over the Easter Easter holidays so um, enjoy that chocolate and that spring and those flowers and we're recording this while there's sunshine outside so I really hope that that continues on thank you for listening